Good day, everyone. Welcome back to this special edition of Generally Irritable Live. We've got a fun guest today for you guys. Her name is Jennifer Cabani, and she's the editor from The College Fix. Uh, it's, a, it's an online publication that particularly focuses on the nonsense going on on college campuses. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot on this show about wokeness, wokeism as a religion, and all of the kind of crazy nonsense we're seeing on campus. But we don't always fully realize the consequences of, of that kind of rhetoric. And then what then is allowed behind the scenes in those colleges. So I don't know, some of you may have been uh, hearing about the number of Chinese nationals that have been discovered or Chinese, wait, uh, basically like Chinese government officials or spies in universities working on research projects and things like that. So we've got the college fix actually looking into and uncovering, uh, researching, doing journalism on that kind of range of topics. And what I really love about my guest today in particular, you know, I asked her, I said, what is it about college students? Why college students? Why do you feel so passionate? You've got a history uh, of working as an editor, working in journalism, uh, you know, looking to uncover the truth, being part of the community. Why now? Why the universities? And and I and her answer was probably was to me the most important answer that she could have given me, which is the universities are educating our next generation. And, uh, and, and, the, and the schools, education, they're educating our next generations. And if we seed that ground to people who hate us, who hate themselves, who hate this country, uh, you know, we really will lose the beautiful American experiment that we have. So that was me kind of paraphrasing her words there. But uh, without too much, too much waiting, you guys, because we're going we're gonna to do a little brief 30-minute interview or so with Miss Jennifer uh, Kabani, without further ado, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us today. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. Okay. So, so, so when you think about your job as editor of the college fix, when you're thinking about what stories to cover, how you're leading the other journalists, the voice of the, of the publication, what, what are some of the priorities you're keeping in the back of your mind as you look as you look to educate us, the public, about what's going on on campuses? Well, we serve as the canary in the coal mine to mm -hmm. warn parents, watchdogs, lawmakers, and everybody who cares about the future of our country, what is going on on these college campuses. What are they teaching? What's the curriculum? What are they spending our tax dollars on? Uh, what? How are they stifling free speech, academic inquiry? And these are the kind of things that are vital on a college campus to thrive and to be able to share ideas and debate and have civil discourse. So we are covering cancel culture, microaggressions, toxic masculinity, the lack of due process, and all those hot button topics you've probably seen about in the headlines. Well, and isn't one of the the qualities of of becoming a functional adult, uh, you know, learning how to cope with 
uh, disappointment, hurt feelings, <laughs> uh, failure, as an example, things like that. Why do you think our educational system is trying to shield people from the natural progress of becoming a, a person? That is a very deep th philosophical question. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I have a, a perfect answer for that, but they are wrapping these kids in bubble wrap, giving them safe spaces, helicopter parenting, participation trophy. It's been called by some people the coddling of the American mind, but they're oh, making us wimps. Yeah. Right? Yes, I mean, I mean we, we cannot. They were definitely not the greatest generation, like the the, the young eighteen year olds at Storm oh, the beaches goodness. of Normandy. I'm uh, telling so, you, today's college kids are definitely not storming the beaches of Normandy. Because, uh, like, uh, if you look at a kid funny on a college campus, they might report you to the bias response <sighs> team for a microaggression. Micro oh my god! Okay, so we're okay. So, so. <sighs> Now, when we're looking, I first of all, let me just show everybody how nice you're. You know what? Wait a minute. Yeah. I do have a thought. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Tell me. Wimps are easier to control, right? Oh. If you have a if you have a, a childish, kind of scared kid, that would be easier to control on, on the campus and in life in general. Isn't that so the maybe their motivation from a psychological level is, you know, is control. Uh, well, when we're looking at when we're looking at as an example the Chinese influence on our college campuses, when we're hearing the you know our elected officials, Canadian elected officials, sort of um, elevate the Chinese model as being preferable to ours, that definitely makes some sense. We want people who are who will more likely go along with this transition that we want. Yeah, I mean, that's it's easier to control the masses when they're scared of their own shadow. I suppose even, you know, the COVID, the Venn diagram, to borrow a term from Kamala, the Venn diagram. <laughs> I love know, Venn diagrams. Keeping American people scared and scared of their own shadows includes, you know, telling them they can't handle insults or challenging oh ideas gosh. or whatever, yes. and, you know. Yeah, you are totally nailing it. Isn't that the truth? That's one of the things that I have found so frustrating about some of these conversations is, wow, you really don't think much of human beings and our capacity to overcome for resilience, for uh, critical thinking and innovation. And, you know, as, as if we don't have a millennia of evidence to show us that we can overcome these things, that we can be better. We can adapt and evolve. Absolutely. You know, so one of the things that we have to remind our young people is they can speak up in the in the college classroom uh, when their you know, liberal professor or their progressive peers tries to shut them down or um, shout them down. We have to encourage our young people to take a stand, to know they have a right to defend themselves and the, the principles that they stand for, and mm -hmm. that they're just as, as much a right to, to speak up on campus as anybody else on, on uh, you know, that tables or hosts events or host meetings or brings in guest speakers. Unfortunately, what the college fix is often covering is the conservative and libertarian students, students are shouted down mm. their events. They refuse to fund their events. Um, they're called all sorts of names. They're reported to campus authorities. Uh, we just had a thing um, uh, covering at Stanford. Matt Walsh spoke. The kids yes. actually set his flyers, the set his flyers advertising an event on fire, literally set them on fire. And they were so proud of it. They posted the pictures of the flaming flyers on, on the Internet. <laughs> 
Well, and this, what's so fascinating to me is that, that they can say that words are, when I say they, the left, right? The left says words are violence. The left also says that silence is violence. But when they do actual violence, like lighting people's stuff on fire, they don't see a correlation. They don't see that they are actually uh, contributing to to the toxicity and to the, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Like the, the tension level increasing. So, so, so if I don't say anything, I'm being violent towards you, but you can set my stuff on fire. It's an absolute no win situation. I mean, and that's what we have to realize. Like you can't bargain with that mindset. You, you can't find a middle ground or compromise. I mean, there, there's right. literally no win until you basically agree with them 100%. Well, and this is, it's the Kobayashi Maru. Okay, so, sorry, Star Trek nerd reference. Okay, oh, I so, know the Kobayashi Maru. Oh, okay, so basically there's no winning. There's You can't right. win. It is set up to fail no matter what you do because, right, oh, wait, if it's, okay, so wait, no, you're a white supremacist, but if you, no, you're a racist, but if you say you're not a racist, that identifies exactly. you're a racist. Exactly, hundred percent. Like on campus, um, in these white privilege trainings, you're automatically a racist if you have white skin, whether you know it or not, like it or not. Basically, you're you told that you have unconscious bias yes. and that you're a racist. But then, if you don't admit you're a racist, you're also a racist. So it's it's a very serious catch twenty two. Folks with light skin find themselves on in on in on campuses, uh, right? So. So I love the fact, I want to share this. I want to show everybody, this is your main, this is your main home, one of your, I think this is the homepage. Yes. So, so everybody check out this main screen, right? You got the homepage, you've got great um, stories on the first page. First of all, I don't know if you realize this, Jennifer, uh, this FTX scandal actually affected Vermont elections directly. Uh, our congressional candidate, who won Becca Ballant actually received a million dollars from oh, wow. FTX in addition to all of them making personal contributions to her campaign as well. So, uh, but if you said anything about it, you were homophobic and transphobic because it was funneled through a LGBTQ pack. There, there's that catch 22 again. <laughs> you see, ah, you see, you do something wrong. We call you on it. We're still going to call you names. Um, but I just, I want to point out this one thing, if it's okay, particularly, it's not a, it's not a specific news article, but this was the thing that I thought was so cool. Um, that, that you are working with call, like it's, it's, it's veteran journalists working with young journalists to learn basically how to defend themselves and to fight back against this woke cancel culture stuff. So in our particular case, what we do is we teach college students, undergrads, how to be straight news journalists so they can mm. report um, in a dispassionate, unbiased manner what's going on on the college campuses. So you could say the subjectivity for us is not necessarily in how we report the news, but what we see as newsworthy. And so we, we teach the kids to get the who, what, where, when, and why, quote both mm. sides, um, and then again, as I mentioned, we're the canary in the coal mine to serve as um, a warning to parents and students and watchdogs and educators. This is what's going on in the college campuses. And then we, these students that we that we work with, these undergrads, we launch their media careers and you know offer them paid journalism internships 
and really sort of help raise up the next generation of liberty-minded, independent, unbiased uh, reporting reporters. Oh my God, we need that. This is this was the the thing that my husband and I talk about, and I hear often is don't. I don't need you to make up my mind for me. I just need the facts and I can figure these things out on my own. And it, it is so frustrating. I think once you, once you kind of awaken to the dishonesty of, of uh, traditional media, you're go, you go, you go, Oh my God, I didn't realize I was being lied to this whole time. And then you question everything. And now, and now for me, it's so obvious when, I'm being sold. That's what I call it, right? You're not giving me the news. You're trying to sell me on your perspective on the news. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, we tell the, the, you know, the undergrads we work with, it's, it's okay to quote the professor and the school spokesperson and to get everybody's side and let the reader decide what they think of it. Again, the subjectivity is what we see as news. So we might, mm. we might cover well, for example, the top story on our on our College Fix website today, um, I wrote, and it's about these progressive left-leaning students who actually wrote a bunch of LGBTQ slurs on their college campus to make a point that there shouldn't be free speech. You're so kidding So it was me. like a false flag hate crime operation, <laughs> hate crime hoax operation, because they were like, well, we shouldn't be allowed to say it, but we're going to say it just to prove our point. <laughs> Wow. And, the, and I had looked when I was writing this article yesterday, I had looked on the um, the MIT student newspaper and they didn't cover it at all. And so it's again, this is just an example of we're covering the stories that are important that need to be told. And a lot of time the campus newspapers completely ignore and, and as well as the legacy media. Yeah. And I forgive me, Jennifer, I don't remember if you said it just now or if I heard somebody say this recently. It's what they don't cover that is as telling as what they do cover. Absolutely. Yeah, no. So that's what I'm saying. Like the subjectivity is in what you cover. Yes. And, and so a lot of times um, we are going to be telling the stories you're not going to get anywhere else. And frankly, a lot of the center right news outlets tell the stories that the left never hears in their own echo chamber, which unfortunately they definitely need to hear, but they never do. <laughs> so That's one of the things that I think is so interesting to me when we're looking at the the media landscape generally is how is it possible that I know this stuff and I'm hearing it and I even listen to left-wing publications uh on purpose because I want to hear what they're saying right how is it these people are not covering this or hearing this at all and we're covering it and there's it seems almost sometimes like there's very little overlap it's like there, there is the right and the left media and they are siloed. And then everybody else in the middle is just kind of left being like, can we just get some facts over here? You know, Erica, that's a really big problem. And I, I don't entirely know the solution to that because both the left and the right, I think, are in their own echo chambers, especially now how everybody gets their media so much from sc scrolling through their social media feed. Is mm -hmm. how they're getting a lot of their news and, you know, their Facebook feeds or maybe whatever email list they've signed up for. And they're not really getting the full picture. I also follow uh, left-leaning media because I want to know what's going on and mm -hmm. get the big picture, but not enough people do. And so these, these echo chambers, I think, are making our country more divisive, dividing us even further. I think we actually have a lot more common ground. Um, with with some left leaning folks that then we realize if we could just get together and, and talk and hash things out like rational 
normal people with common sense, but I don't see that any of that happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Well, I'll tell you, this was my favorite. This was, and I, I share this example all the time. I'm going to have to have another one soon so that I can tell another story, Jennifer. But um, I, one of my favorite things I've watched in a long time was an interview uh, on Tucker Carlson today with Jimmy Dore. So I'm sure I'm sure you're familiar with both of who, who both of those fellows are. Um, so but Tucker Carlson, obviously a right wing news commentator, Jimmy Dore, a far left news commentator. And and what I saw was two men agree on 85 percent of things, uh, disagree on about 15 percent. You know, they, they right. agree that the, the problems are the same. You know, we we often agree that the problems are the same. We often even agree on the solution. We just disagree on who's responsible and how to get there. Yeah. I, and I and I think that's another way that the the powers that be control us, if you will, by mm -hmm. thinking by making us think that we have nothing in common with the folks across the political aisle from us and that they're our sworn enemy when, in fact, we're all Americans working together, basically have sincere desire to improve our country. And we could probably find more common ground than we realize if we just tried. If we didn't have to go to our safe space every time our feelings were hurt. <laughs> well, I don't know about, I don't, I don't think, you know, what's interesting is a lot of times we, we joke about the safe spaces and, um, you know, these kids that need coloring books and, this, and a nap pod. But to be honest, you know, we call them cry bullies, cry bullies, yeah. because how scared are they really when they're out yelling in administrators' faces and yelling at their peers' faces and, you know, demanding this and demanding that and taking over the campus and, you know, holding these, you know, big protests and setting fires to thing. And so, I mean, I mean, yeah, they need yeah, their safe space, afraid. but they're also like kicking everybody's butt on campus and, you know, taking over. So, oh my gosh. Bullies. I love that. I'm totally going to steal that and use that because it is it, so yeah. true. I think my, I got it from somebody else too. So <laughs> even my husband has said stuff like that before, like, um, you know, the, my husband, black American, he says, uh, you know, I keep hearing people, black people say that they're hunted daily and that the cops are trying to kill them, but I'm not seeing a bunch of people running around, you know, uh, strapped with a flak jacket on, you know, your women say that it's a rape culture and everybody's trying to rape them yet. They're running around drunk with their ass out doing twerking on sixth street. Like I, you go, these two things are can't they don't go together you can't tell me it's rape culture and you're afraid of being raped and run around literally in your underwear sex dancing in the street well that was yeah i mean the the there's this often repeated uh stat that one in four or one in five college women are raped but that was actually pretty thoroughly debunked yes it was based on um a study of just two midwestern uh colleges and the, the questions were somewhat vague. And when you kind of dug down into it, there's no way that that sample size was representative of America. And there's no way that the, the questions and the answers they derived were representative of actual rape. Um, so the one in four, the one in five thing has been uh, thoroughly debunked. But again, there's that fear. There's that control. There's that you better let us protect you. Um, and then at, you mentioned your husband's a black American. It reminds me of, I don't know if you've heard of, of the uh, MAGA Hulk guy. He's a Stephen Davis. He's a MAGA Hulk guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We saw him at America Fest. Yes. Okay. 
So, you know, he, as part of Turning Point USA, he'll go to college campuses and, you know, share conservative ideas. And you got these whiny, liberal, 90-pound-year-old snot-nosed Antifa kids trying to, you know, shut down this Black conservative American, you know, telling him he's racist. And you're like, what is going on with this planet? Are we, like, living in opposite world right now? Like, yes. you, you 19-year-old, you know, skinny, white, punk kid trying to tell this, you know, this strong American black man that, you know, he's the racist. Yes. I mean, we literally wonder in reality anymore. (laughs) This is what, how did we get, how did we get to the point where it was okay for white people to yell racial slurs at black people and it'd be okay. I, that's I hate that, that it's okay to call black conservatives names um, you know, to make fun of them, to, to, you know, impugn yes. their character. I mean, that is just so wrong. If there's and it's any- one of the, one of the biggest problems I have with, um, the, the left yeah. is there, is there, they're actually showing their own racism. I think when they do that, that's why I'm like, I, I don't know what else needs to be said or done to demonstrate that, people on that side and here I am using that divisive language that people who that people who buy into that ideology it's it I oh my goodness my brain hurts I start to I'm like I just don't what has to happen in your brain that you're like racism is so bad I'm gonna call you an n-word or whatever else I gotta call you you just get I don't think I don't think your way of thinking about things is good well, you know, the, the left likes to twist things. Um, and unfortunately, that's what's happening in college campuses a lot. They'll only give these students one side of the story. They'll only assign them curriculum that tells one side of the story. Yeah. For example, the whole 1619 um, project and the idea that America was founded on slavery and, and founded on racism, uh, which is not only inaccurate, um, but, uh, it, it's just one sliver of the giant, enormous story of the American experiment. Uh, but they, they zero in and hone in on that, beat it over these kids had time and time and time and time again. It's almost like death by a thousand cuts. By the time these kids graduate, they do believe that America was founded on, on slavery and racism. Um, and so that's why we have to sound the alarm. We publish these stories, letting, Everybody know what the professors are saying and teaching so that we can correct it and that parents can send when they send their kids to college, make sure that they've had these discussions beforehand. So, you know, if your parent, if your professor says this, I want to tell you X, Y, and Z. So they have their arm with the facts and the data and the logic uh, to discern these poor arguments and defend against them. That's right. Uh, Sue, a friend of the channel, Sue Seymour says, I need to, I need to go to my safe space right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we love Sue's. She's just coming. She's uh, recovering from a terrible accident. Uh, Sue's super excited. Hoping to see you at the end of March, uh, for your welcome back party. Uh, we can't wait now before I forget, Jennifer, I want to show everybody they can support the college fix. So you've got you got the donate page right here. They can subscribe. Uh, I would I would love for folks to sign up for our, our newsletter because we we only send it twice a month. You know, sometimes you sign up for a newsletter and next you know you're getting twenty emails a oh day my from God, them a day. Yes, <laughs> and you're like, what have I done? I send two a week. 
I try to pull the best articles from uh, our website from the week. And so you can go ahead and sign up and, um, all right, look at that. We had to guys. do that, that because, of course, you know, we had to do the little captcha thing because you know how people try to, you know, and it, every time you have a conservative website, you know, there's somebody on the left trying to spam you or this oh, or that. So yeah. we had to set in a couple of parameters, but, and then of course, yeah, we're a 5013C nonprofit. As I mentioned, we send, we do journalism internships and we're training young people how to be independent journalists. So we're always welcome donations as well. I love it. All right, you guys. So here we go. Subscribe, donate. This has been my big thing, um, you know, and it always sort of feels like the tithing conversation at church, right? Like everybody gets a little bit uncomfortable. Can't talk about money. Um, what is so fascinating to me is that when you look at data, when we look, look at statistics, people who are right of center, right? Uh, whether it's uh, conservative, you know, fiscally, religiously, whatever it is, those of us who are right of center give way more money to charity. And I mean, it is not even close. We give tens of millions of dollars more than left-wing Democrat people do. And yet we have a much harder time raising money. We have a much harder time getting people to contribute to channels, to advertise, to sign up for recurring donations. This is the story that I'm hearing about over and over again is it is hard to raise money. The churches are low on funds even. So um, you guys, the left is willing to put their money where their mouth is. The left is willing to donate money to Planned Parenthood so that we can have abortion up to the point of birth in Vermont. The left is willing to donate as much money. In fact, they created a whole Ponzi scheme to be able to donate to Democrat candidates. You guys have to be as willing to put your money where your mouth is and, and lift up publications like the College Fix, like the Vermont Daily Chronicle in Vermont. You know, Jennifer, I... What do you think would encourage people that are kind of on our team, our viewers, our listeners to, to contribute more, whether it's financially, uh, whether it's, you know, sharing more media, you know, sharing the stories, getting things like that. What do you think we can do to help encourage other folks to be more vocal about their support for conservative values. So, you know, I, I tithe at my church and then I also have been subscribing to independent journalism substacks. Mm -hmm. And I, and I jokingly call it my secular tithing, right? So I do, I give to my church, but I have this list of secular tithing that I do mm. that I feel is helping, you know, ultimately advance truth, freedom, you know, uh, principles enshrined in our, our, our God blessed constitution. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I, I would look at it is that, you know, I obviously give to your church, give to, you know, orphanages and, and charities that touch your heart and mind, but maybe consider us like secular tithing for causes that you feel are really important to help defend this great nation that was founded under God. Um, one of my favorite verses in the, well, I mean, not one of my favorite, but one thing I think about when I tithe is when Jesus said, do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where mm. thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. So that's one of the things it's just, I have, you know, God loves a cheerful giver and we're fighting a good fight here. Um, so, you know, if you can, if you can afford it, obviously things are tight under Biden 
I mean, <laughs> eggs and gas and everything really? under Biden oh. is so much more expensive. He's one of the worst presidents we've ever had ever? in this nation's history. Yep. I mean, if not the worst, but I, I mean, not the we, worst. there's debate, but he's so bad. So I know money is tight for everybody right now, but just consider it like a secular tithe yeah. to help fight the good fight for the heart and soul and mind of this nation. Yep. That's what we've been doing. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of commentators, a lot of content creators we like. It's a couple bucks, couple bucks a month to subscribe to their YouTube channel or to do something like that. You guys, it is worth every penny because every penny that you guys contribute back into conservative values, you will get back in a better educated public, in happier people, less suicidality. Like you guys, let's real talk. They're talking about how if you don't trans your kid, they're going to kill themselves. Well, if we don't give some guardrails to the next generation, they really are, they are going to lose it. We need to help them understand who they are, what their values are, and so that they don't get to that point. And every dollar you spend helps fight against that nonsense. So yeah. don't. And I, I mean, to end it. on a positive note, the the young people that I'm working with, they are bright and talented and driven. So there is hope. I mean, I know sometimes it looks grim when you turn on the news or you check your headlines, but there are people still. You're raising their children uh, with conservative. Uh, liberty-minded values, and there's a, a young generation that still wants to grow up in the America that we grew up in. Yeah, and so we we can't we can't throw in the towel. We can't give up. We have to do this for our children right. and our grandchildren. Yep, that's what they're they already told us, right? The founders told us we're going to have to fight for this every generation, yep. and so we just have to cultivate the fighters. That's it. Let's do it. We're doing and we're do it. doing it. Jennifer's it. doing it over at the College Fix. Uh, so, oh, uh oh, you got Sue says she's already picking her outfit to, to twerk on Sixth Street next time she comes to Austin. <laughs> Sue's, this is why I love you. This is why you're fabulous. So, uh, again, Jennifer, um, Kabani, I'm saying it right, right? Kabani, saying it right, Kabani, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Kabani with the College Fix. Thank you so much for joining us on Generally Irritable today. Uh, letting our folks know a little bit about what you do and we're going to be sending them your way to, to donate you. to you, to read more and to share. Thank you very much. If you could even do one thing is share one of our articles, that would just make yeah. my day. Yeah. You know what? We're going to include links in the description, Jennifer, but why don't you just give, tell everybody where can they find you guys on social media? So we're at college fix on Twitter and the college on Facebook. And we actually have a really, um, active Instagram account as well. Yep. And the collegefix.com is their website. Y'all go ahead and give them a follow. Check them out. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Jennifer. Take care.